Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's X and my Y's? I'm Robert Evans. Uh, how was that intro, guys? Great. I actually solidly approve. Thumbs up all around the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a podcast where I talk about the worst people in all of history and tell you what you don't know about them. Today is part two of our epic three-parter podcast on George Lincoln Rockwell, the founder of the idea of neo-Nazism, mm-hmm. the inventor of Holocaust denial, and the world's first free speech warrior. Oh, God. It's <laughs> un... Oh, it's so believable. <laughs> <laughs> My guest today, Cody Johnston, Katie Stoll. How are you doing? We're so good. Still so good. Now, we have a, a new sponsor who has not paid us a dime, but uh, who I will be shilling for mm-hmm. nonetheless, mm-hmm. because, Cody, you realize that the tagline <laughs> written on the product is hilarious. Hazelnut Coffee Mate by Nestle, and according to the box, one pump, one cream. Oh, yeah. One pump, one cream. One, one pump, pump, one cream. cream. One Hazelnut. Pump, <laughs> one pump, one cream, one love. So mm. you heard it here on Behind the Bastards. Buy Nestle Coffee Mate Hazelnut and think of semen. One pump, one cream. One pump, one cream. I'm not a hazelnut fan. <laughs> Neither am I. I don't like Coffee Mate, uh, but <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really hope Coffee Mate that. had stopped listening yeah, <laughs> by yeah. that point. They just the check was already in the mail. Yeah, they were sending you a letter. It. Could you not? Read our one pump, one cream slogan. On your I channel. wonder if they um, use that same slogan for products other than the hazelnut. Mm-hmm. One pump, one cream. I wonder if they know what they did. I mean, that someone could, that, knows. Speaking of far right extremists, that could work as the uh, uh, as the slogan for the Proud Boys who don't masturbate. That's because true. Because one pump, one cream. Yeah, no yeah. pumps, no, no pumps, creams, no cream. <laughs> Proud Boys. Speaking of the Proud Boys, yeah. let's talk about. Their ideological great grandfather. Can't wait. George Lincoln Rockwell. Love him. I'm going to say up front. Scratch that. Don't love him. (laughs) There are going to be a number of, there were slurs in the last episode. There are going to be a number of slurs specifically directed towards black people in this episode. Uh, I do not say and will not say the N word, uh, but I will read a couple of the other slurs that are used, usually just once, uh, and then I will refer to them euphemistically thereafter just so that you understand what's being said and so I'm not unduly kind of cleaning up the ugliness here. Right. So okay. there's kind of a sweet spot. We'll try to find it. Thank now, you, Robert. Let's dive into it. Much of George Lincoln Rockwell's career as America's premier racist involved him following in the footsteps of Martin Luther King Jr. and basically trolling America's premier civil rights icon. On January 18th, 
1965, when MLK held a voter registration drive in Selma, Alabama, George Lincoln Rockwell was there to, in his own words, cause agitation and run Mr. Coon out of town. That was Rockwell's nickname for Dr. King. Ah. I will use Mr. C from here on out. He also called him Martin Luther. You can guess. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quote from Rockwell. Mr. C is a pro, and I ran him out of Danville, Virginia, and I believe I can run him out of Selma. The only technique is to show these communist-type agitators how ridiculous they are. Now, Rockwell put together a... <laughs> Sorry, they're ridiculous woofing. Like, what is <laughs> the woofing guy, on, man? <laughs> you made they're woofins. so silly. <laughs> Rockwell put together a cunning plan to ruin Dr. King's voter registration drive. His first idea was to try and convince the city fathers to declare the day of the drive to be... Inward day. Oh my gosh. Mm. <laughs> Real creative. He wanted to hang banners across the entrances of the town that said, Welcome inwards to Sea Day in Selma. Of course, he used the mm. full slurs in mm. both cases. For Wait, s- so it's called both. It was different. Yeah. Different. Yeah. You gotta yeah. have two, different names. Two, two slurs mm-hmm. in the banners. That's poor branding. That's poor branding. Uh, now, I don't, now I don't know what uh, yeah. terrible thing it is. Now I don't know what terrible <laughs> which, thing which it is. Which awful thing. Yeah, they're never going to find you on, on Google that way, right. George Lincoln Rockwell. Come on, man. Come Jesus on. Christ. God, get it together. For some reason, the White City Fathers of Selma did not think this was a good idea. So I just, I just I have to reiterate here. This guy is too racist for both the 1960s FBI and the White City Fathers of 1960s Selma, Alabama, the town that shot black people with fire hoses. That's pretty intense. That's they, pretty, they uh, listened to rock when we're like, whoa, buddy. <laughs> like, right, it's not I even, mean, like, <laughs> we hear you, but like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> right, it's not even like, don't say that stuff out loud. It's like, don't say that stuff. Don't say like, that stuff. <laughs> and, then, and sure, like, we also, we're going to, you yeah, know, we're going to send a letter to yeah. try to convince him to kill himself. We're going to have like, them beaten and jailed. Yeah. But, but, like, that's that's like, we're, like, we're legal. We're like the law and order. Yeah, we're like the racists. law and order types of racists. <laughs> okay. Mm. Next, Rockwell suggested creating a special Sea Day in Selma menu for restaurants to give out to jig integrators. And that's the last time I'll use that mm-hmm. word either. Uh, when they demanded service. It's painfully uncomfortable. Not at all the wacky, stupid racism of the second KKK. <sighs> Remember the second KKK? Oh, those were the days. Those, those were, were the days. days. Those, things those, were those, those, those silly camp. people. <laughs> those LARPers. <laughs> those LARPers. Rockwell was whatever else, not a fucking LARPer. Mm. Rockwell was probably the greatest big in America has ever seen, the patron saint of racism. Here is part of the menu he wanted local restaurants to adopt. Is this going to be like if you have like a viewing party for like Breaking Bad and you like do puns on all the food, but it's with yeah, racism? Yeah, but it's with racism. You sound so excited. I sound excited, but I'm really not. No, <laughs> I, I don't even want to read it, but I'm going to. And again, I will be euphemistically referring to the okay. slurs in yeah. all cases here. The restaurants of the city extend a warm welcome to all C-words, J-words, N-words, apes, baboons, and any other jungle life seeking to enjoy communist race-mixing benefits promised by Martin Luther C-word. In honor of the occasion, our chef has lovingly prepared a special menu of the favorite N-word foods. We ask only that our C-word guests refrain from snapping at waiters or nibbling on other guests while waiting for service. The menu he prepared included, quote, hot stuffed deviled Jew Sammy Davis Jr. special. He thought Sammy Davis Jr. was a Jew. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that came up a lot. But A the, common misconception. That's a, that's a terrible name. for. That's not, that's too many words. Yeah, I mean. Sammy Davis Jr.? But the, the name Jew of the, Sammy Davis Jr. Jew Sammy Davis. Like, why do you? It's called Jim, Sammy Davis Jr. Like, I know, right I know. There. Yeah, I that's know, much better. Let's not. I don't want to give him notes on like, his yeah, racism let, menu, but like, let's not like armchair racist. Mm, that's that's fair. That's, <laughs> that's fair. fair. Well, I, don't think, I don't think we need to improve on this menu. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was not popular among local business owners either. Thank he God. also tried to get local businesses to print up posters to put in the windows of every business in town, but no one was willing to do that either. Rockwell also handed out dozens of A&P hate nanny records. These included <laughs> such hit songs as Ship Those N-Words Back and Wee's Nonviolent N-Words. Jesus. He hoped that local restaurants and bars would put them in their jukeboxes, but nobody obliged him in this either. So. That's good. And it plays racism... Rock and roll. Yep. Of course he plays racism rock and roll. He's George Lincoln Rockwell. Yeah, I would He I does Rockwell. He does Rockwell. Rock. Quite, quite well. Quite well. I had to use it. He doesn't deserve it, but no, I could not. he doesn't. I could he not. doesn't deserve anything. No, no. No, well, he deserves one thing, and it comes at the end of this episode. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Fun tease. So, uh, Rockwell was able to get enough donations to fly Robert Lloyd, one of his most loyal stormtroopers, into Selma with a hideously racist ape costume. 
Rockwell's goal is to get Lloyd close enough to Dr. King to cause a spectacle that would get him on TV and presumably drum up more donations for the ANP. Tragically, for the Nazis, Lloyd was caught by the police before he could find Dr. King. He was arrested. Next, according to the book For Race and Nation, quote, Rockwell went to the courthouse to bail Lloyd out and bumped into King, who was attempting to register blacks to vote. Now I rate Rockwell blasted King with all the venom he could muster. He poked the stem of his corncob pipe at King's face and asked him if he was man enough to stand up nonviolently and debate him. Uh, so he could prove oops. to the world that King was using the local N-words, not helping them. We got to it, Cody. Wow. <laughs> Debate me, bro. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're doing it. Ah, oh, they're really making it happen. Mm -hmm. Dr. King actually agreed to let Rockwell speak at the meeting. He rescinded the invitation after a completely different racist, who actually hated Rockwell too, assaulted him for trying to register at a hotel. When Rockwell was turned away, he demanded entrance to the church where Dr. King was doing his meeting. The police arrested Rockwell for disorderly conduct. Now, that probably sounds like a disaster, but it was actually totally worthwhile for Rockwell and for the ANP. Yeah, the brief face-to-face -face confrontation he had with Dr. King became national news and earned the Nazi party the attention and donations that Rockwell craved. Debate me, coward. Debate me, coward. Debate me, you coward. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you got, like, these two, like, awful sides, and they're like, hey, Martin Luther King Jr., kill yourself. And the other one's like, debate me. Yeah. <laughs> and they both mean the same thing. They both mean like the same thing. Like, they have thing. the same goal. To destroy the one, yeah. Right. Ugh. Uh, let's think for a second, just to cleanse our palace, of what an incredible human being Dr. Martin Luther King was, and yeah. how much he achieved. That's, that's a yeah. nice thing to think yeah, about. Yeah, like a little break, mental break yeah, here. Yeah, just like... What a nice idea he, that you just he had. He changed the world in an incredible mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Like, they, like, black people couldn't use water fountains, and yeah. he galvanized a movement. And there were a lot of other people involved, obviously, right. who sacrificed and did a lot as well. But, like, just a great human being uh, who will be remembered long after Rockwell has been forgotten. He's yeah. perhaps been forgotten. Right. Perhaps yeah, our most, most beloved yeah. cultural yeah. icon. People... Put talk about not better more than any president yeah. more than any other figure american figure we I say people, put him on the 20 put him on uh, hell yeah put him on the, uh, leave lincoln on the five but put him sure. in, put him on the one too put him on the one yeah, yeah put him, him on most of the monies put him on most of the money a lot of people quote him incorrectly these days yes they do uh, uh, when they talk like, about free speech and try uh, to get people to debate yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot yeah because also like it's good because like rockwell not many people know about him or know much yeah. about him, and that's technically good, but at the same time, it's real bad. People should know, right. should know about, about the stuff yeah. that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, mm. palate cleanser. Mm. Okay, mm. palate cleanser. Nice. Mm. Yum, nice. yum, yum. As this wannabe American fewer spat racial hatred and lurid anti Semitic conspiracy theories, the American Jewish community was far from silent. We're talking about 20 years after the death camps were shut down. There were Americans in their 30s and 40s who had survived yeah. Auschwitz. There were thousands of Jewish-American war veterans who had literally killed Nazis with machine guns. These people were not about to let this motherfucking Nazi <laughs> try his fascist bullshit out in another country. However, no one could quite agree on precisely what should be done. Some groups, like the Jewish American War Veterans Organization, landed solidly on the punch Nazis end of the scale. And they did quite a bit of that. Yeah. But most Jewish people backed a completely different strategy. Uh, I'm going to read a description of the evolution of that strategy from the book American Fuhrer by Frederick Simonelli. Quote, in the 1940s, Dr. Solomon Antil Feinberg of the American Jewish Committee devised a strategy of containment against that era's most flagrant anti-Semite, Gerald L.K. Smith. Feinberg initially called that strategy dynamic silence, or the silent treatment. He later renamed it quarantine, a term he believed more accurately described the process. The quarantine strategy included two key components, coordination among major American Jewish community organizations to minimize public confrontations between an anti-Semite and his or her opponents in order to deny the anti-Semite a dramatic event that would invite publicity, and the dissemination of information on the background and tactics of the anti-Semite to the news media in an attempt to convince the media that in the absence of a violent confrontation between an anti-Semite and his or her adversaries, there was little newsworthy in what the anti-Semite had to say. The strategy intended to, quote, prevent the rabble rouser from becoming a serious public menace by depriving him of the publicity he needs to increase his audience. Yeah. it's so a good strategy. Solid plan. It. Feinberg advocated for this strategy heavily and succeeded in getting the Jewish community to adopt his plan against Gerald Smith. It worked splendidly. But in 1958, after Rockwell created Woofens and the National Committee to Free America from Jewish Domination, no one was quite sure what to do. This was a new kind of racist, a trained PR expert who knew how to work the modern TV and radio media. Rockwell said in an interview near the end of his life, quote, When I was in the advertising game, we used nude women. Now I use the swastika and stormtroopers. You use what brings them in. 
Wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> William Pierce, one of Rockwell's most prominent stormtroopers, and a guy we will be talking about in part three, mm. described Rockwell's strategy as concentrating, quote, the activities of his small group under circumstances especially chosen to provoke violent opposition, anything and everything to gain mass publicity, to become generally recognized as the opponent of the Jews. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he wanted them to fight him. This was part of why he decided to turn Woofens into the American Nazi Party. He wanted he and his men to wear swastikas, lots of them, specifically because it was the best way to trigger Jewish people. Mm. He believed, quote, Upon seeing the swastika, Jews lost their cold, calculating, reasoning abilities and became hysterical, screaming with fear and rage at the American Nazi party. This reaction led Jews to unwittingly aid the movement. While moving to stamp out Nazism, they were forced to give the party free publicity. Some Mm. Jews, particularly Jewish war veterans, obliged Rockwell by flipping out and trying to crack his fucking Nazi skull. Which... I certainly understand. Solid impulse. Solid impulse. There were numerous brawls at various ANP events, speeches, and protests over the years. Often the Jewish veterans would wind up tangling with the police, who tended to surround the smaller number of ANP men in order to protect them. Another thing that never happened again. Never happened again. This worked for a while, but a little over a year into Rockwell's career as an agent provocateur, that Mm, That Feinberg guy, the architect of the quarantine policy, succeeded in getting the American Jewish community, or AJC, to back his plan. Now, these guys were not just saying, ignore them and they'll go away. This was not just being like, oh, just ignore them, just ignore them. They weren't just saying that. These guys were activists. Representatives of Jewish community groups would go to newspaper editors, radio and television producers before big Nazi events. They would urge the media not to cover the story. Letters exist to show how this effort went, and they were always very cordial. The goal was to convince the paper to stop their coverage. It was not a threat. The Nazis did claim that Jewish community groups threatened to boycott newspapers and the like who reported on Nazis, but there is zero actual evidence of this ever happening. The Washington Post, for example, broke the quarantine and suffered no reprisals. In March of 1960, Rockwell wrote the Post a letter saying he planned to speak at the Capitol Mall. He invoked the specter of left-wing violence against his totally peaceful demonstration, stating, quote, Some citizens have been threatening us with violence and forcible suppression of our peaceful right to address our fellow Americans according to the law. Mm. Now, this was patent bullshit. Rockwell absolutely had violent intentions. Immediately after that rally, which turned violent, he sent a letter out to his supporters and regular donors saying his goal was to, quote, provoke and aggravate the Jew traitors beyond endurance. We only knew they would attack, but we sought their attack. Our activity has been successful beyond our wildest dreams, and all of it has been aimed not at education or waking people up, but at gaining power, and then and only then can we exterminate the swarms of Jewish traitors in our gas chambers. Mm. Yeah, you. He's got gas chambers. Shut up a little anger. You make them mad. You. I want to talk about a little story. Something that happened to me in December when I was in Portland watching a rally uh, called the Him Too Rally, which was built, oh, built as a response to the Me Too movement Goodness. by uh, members of Patriot Prayer and the Proud Boys. Oh, uh, two of the better, two, two be, of the, the best great groups. groups out there. So uh, after their rally, which was cordoned off and heavily protected by police, mm-hmm. uh, they took a very long, circuitous route back to their cars and were surrounded by a group of anti-fascists. Uh, most of those people yelled, but some of them threw things, including bottles, which eventually prompted the police to use flashbangers grenades on the crowd to disperse them. After this altercation, which was heavily videotaped and photographed, my cameraman was right behind Joey Gibson and one of his right-hand men as they walked Mm. away and caught a snippet of conversation in which the guy looked to Joey and said, that could not have gone better. There it is. There There it it is. is. I mean, that's what I'm thinking the whole time you're reading this. That is what they want. Mm -hmm. When we talk about how do you deal with the Proud Boys or deal with any of them, you have to keep that in mind. That playing into their hand. And I, I do want to say there is something to be said. Like, there, there, it's also worth noting, um, because this what's happening today is not entirely the same as what was happening back then. When there aren't large groups to confront them, we see what happens in New York City, where they mm-hmm. start randomly assaulting Right. People. Well, That's then there's that. Yeah. There's people there... There for protection. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying anti-fascist, yeah. like, street activism is useless. I am saying this is part of a very old strategy. Well, right, right. Right. Just understanding, like... Yeah. You're playing into mm-hmm. their and plan, yeah. and you might need to. Yeah, you but, might need to because but, they might try to beat the shit out of somebody. But you have to right. like keep it in check and like have that awareness. At least understand, yeah, that that's yeah. where they're, and always frame it like that. Because then yeah. it's like that's actually great that that is on camera. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's not the only time that we've seen those sort that that mask sort of slip off. Yeah, or like even like the Proud Boys explicitly say like. Yeah, go get into fights, go provoke yeah, them. That's right. how so you rank you. up. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, Patriot Prayer's motto is "fuck around and find out." Right. Yeah. That's like their their goal is that, and they yeah. want they want to trigger you. They want to make you mad, so you get upset. It's almost like um, like fash 
do care about your feelings. What? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. It is like that. It is like just that. Trying to, just trying something out. Try, trying yeah. to tie a couple trying, of things like, together. Trying to, try, 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 try to, to put a little bow just between a, a couple of things. Yeah. It's pretty right, cute. Nice. That's I like that. Cute, I like that. It took yeah. me a second. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Now, uh, for the 4th of July, 1960, Rockwell planned a rally in New York City. This provoked outrage, which, of course, earned Rockwell publicity and donations. Mm-hmm. The quarantine broke down completely when Rockwell was denied a permit to march. According to the book American Fuhrer, quote, his cause became the cause of free speech. His name appeared in newspapers almost daily, and his appeal made its way through the courts. On June 22, 1960, an enraged mob, including many survivors of Nazi concentration camps, attacked him, but he was saved from serious injury by the quick action of the police. Mm. Now, God. this was widely seen as a disaster by members of the Jewish community. David McReynolds of The Village Voice wrote that the violence of the crowd did more to promote anti-Semitism than anything Rockwell mm-hmm. himself could have possibly said. Now, I don't know if I agree with that, but it shows how political moderates of the nation Mm -hmm. saw things. Mm -hmm. As Rockwell's free speech case made its way through the court, coverage continued to roll in, even even though quarantine advocates continued to plead for everyone to just stop writing about George Lincoln Rockwell. And when an appeal overturned the ban and Rockwell was actually issued his permit, he never even bothered to pick it up. He'd gotten what he wanted out of the whole (laughs) mess, Mm -hmm. publicity and a shitload of donations for being a free speech warrior. Yeah. Tony Ulasewicz was a New York City police officer. Uh, He was the guy who protected Rockwell from an attack during that June 22nd, 1960 thing. Uh, And he wound up regularly spending some time around them as like being part of their escort and stuff. Uh, He later recalled seeing, quote, two big mail sacks full of letters at the A&P headquarters after that event. He said, quote, Rockwell needed the publicity to get his contributions in. To get around some of his financial difficulties, Rockwell described how he randomly picked targets for his rallies. Once he publicly announced he was coming, the public's first as he put it, would stand on end. Local newspapers, radio, and television would give him just enough publicity to guarantee the delivery of four or five stacks of mail to his doorstep. Rockwell said he received a lot of attaboy George letters with dollar bills folded up inside the envelope. He said just the threat of his coming was good for a couple of grand. Mm -hmm. Wow. Literally what Joey Gibson does. Oh, yeah. yeah. Literally puts a donation plea into every into every every single thing about a rally. But I won't talk about Portland anymore until <laughs> we get to a little bit further. Right. right, right. right. Okay. Uh, you know what it is? Speaking of donations, I guess. Uh, that's not right. It, kind of. One pump, one cream <laughs> is an ad for Nestle Coffee Mate. The mm-hmm. one pump, one cream source of cream pumps that for hazel, your hazelnut for your hazelnut <laughs> uh, sex is funny mm, here's some true. ads <laughs> the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. 
Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back! Hey! Hey, uh, Nazis. Okay, so, Rockwell... Uh, was very happy with how that whole rigmarole had gone. Uh, In one of his regular comments, he taunted Feinberg and the AJC, saying they had, quote, spent millions of dollars to spread the word among the Jews to ignore us. But, he claimed, their anger and need for revenge had gotten the best of them. The result is the lifeblood of a political movement, publicity. This is something Rockwell wrote about quite a lot. In 1961, he came to the conclusion that, quote, The problem of building a political organization, in spite of the enemy's utter mastery of all means of communicating with the masses, is, first, the problem is reaching the masses, any way at all. It does not matter how you reach them at first, so long as they come to know you and the fact that you are at the opposite pole from those in power. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Mm. It's just all, it's just so familiar. It's like deja vu. Because everybody else is ripping off George. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Bunch of cheap diet imitations. Yeah, of, a bunch of George fans of up the, in here. Of the just Mr. Pib of racism. Oh yeah. <laughs> bunch of Mr. Pibs wishing they were Dr. Pepper. Oh boy, no, I, I, Mr. Cola. Pib, Mr. Pib is a better beverage. Than I, Dr. Agree, I agree. I agree. I'm just talking about brand beverage. recognition and yeah, things yeah. like that. But I guess the real Dr. Pepper would be uh, George's dad. It yes. sure would Doc. be. Yes, Doc. Yeah, nice yeah. It'd be Doc Pepper. Oh, yeah. Doc, for sure. Doc Pepper. Doc yeah. Pepper. Yeah. What I mean, Doc Rock is such a good name, he guys. He could have called... <gasps> That's our musical. Doc that Rock. is our musical. It's like cop rock, but with doctors. Oh, Doc <laughs> and a couple of cops, probably. Hot mm. cops. Hot cops, for sure. Yeah. So, while George was busy building the playbook that every other fascist grifter in history would shamelessly crib from, Feinberg was not sitting on his ass. He had supporters write articles endorsing the, content- the uh, quarantine strategy and pointing out that publicity just got Rockwell donations. They stated that, quote, the most effective way of combating the Rockwell menace is to literally starve him out. Quarantine can be made effective. If we deny him publicity, we deny him money. Gradually, he convinced people of the wisdom of his strategy. There were more fights, largely with the Jewish war veterans, but by 1961, Feinberg had succeeded in drastically reducing the amount of press coverage that Rockwell received. The quarantine was never total. Some stories always came out. But Feinberg considered success to be a measure of degree. And the summer of 1961 saw Rockwell attract way less media attention than he'd gotten back in 1960. By the end of 1961, the commander had started to get desperate. When some members of Congress urged a Department of Justice investigation into the American Nazi Party, Rockwell saw this as a huge opportunity. He welcomed the investigation because it would give him a chance to show up in a full Nazi uniform and spew his conspiracy theories in the halls of Congress. Feinberg knew this, and he actually begged the U.S. Attorney General, Robert Kennedy, not to investigate the American Nazi Party. And he got his way. In 1962, when Rockwell applied for a permit to march in Philadelphia, the local Jewish community initially wanted to lobby to have his permit denied. Feinberg wrote them a letter begging them not to interfere with Rockwell's speech. Quote, you risk Rockwell, Rockwell's getting civil libertarian support all the way to the Supreme Court and the publicity and attendant thereon. Without quarantine, any anti-Semite could become a national figure in short time. He need only be dramatic and have plenty of opposition. Here, too, Feinberg succeeded. Rockwell got to give his speech, and no one cared. 
he did not make the news. From that point on, with some occasional failures and lapses, the quarantine against George Lincoln Rockwell held. This prompted him to veer towards the only reliable income stream left to him, the college lectureship yes. circuit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. From 1963 on, this was his only consistent source of income. He never failed to draw a sizable crowd. Much of the media attention he received for the rest of his life was for the protests and fights that occurred outside these events. Now, Feinberg did not worry as much about Rockwell's campus speeches, mainly because he just didn't think college kids were dumb enough to fall for the Nazi shtick. Mm. This proved to be true. College lectures were good for money, but Rockwell himself knew that they would never get him what he wanted. He wrote, quote, You can't convert people's attitudes by lecturing and reasoning. Attitudes can only be changed through emotional engineering. That is the key thing. It doesn't matter what the emotion is. Love, fear, hatred. As long as there is an emotion in a person— I can change him. When I agitate in uniform, I want people to hate me. I want them emotionally worked up. Mm-hmm. Smart man. Yep. Smart. Smart man. Hate him. Smart hate guy. him. Smart guy. Real, real bad. Hate real him. Bad. Don't real respect him. Don't, Smart don't, man. Don't yeah. like him. Not a yeah. fan. <laughs> Smart guy. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. And so, as the 1960s went on, Rockwell attempted a variety of garish and bizarre stunts. He did a cross-country road trip in a converted Volkswagen he called the Hate Bus, giving mm. speeches and harassing civil rights advocates like the Freedom Riders. I gotta... One of you describe this fucking bus. <laughs> one of you describe this fucking hate bus. I mean, it's... It's, it's it a hate bus. a hate bus several, several times. <laughs> it's your classic VW bus, as stated, uh, that you would uh, associate with a hippie, a free-loving protest. Mm-hmm. A bunch of surf bums and, on the And then you, you look Monica closer... Shore. I mean, it says we hate race mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's right there. Oh, no. We do hate. What a bad bus. What a bad. What a terrible bus. It's a terrible bus. You know that's. He also had a racist dog that escaped at one point. A racist dog. Well, he said Go the dog was racist. <laughs> oh, he said it. When was... the dog was got, when the dog like escaped, he tried to play it up as like, well, now some Jewish family like has a dog and they don't even know it's racist. But it's like, dude, that dog's not racist. Yeah, right. That dog's like, not racist. The dog just didn't want to live with Nazis. The dog yeah. was, like, looking for his freedom. Yeah. I think it's really funny that his... uh, uh, The dog's name was Gas Chamber. Oh. oh. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. No. Yeah. Oh. I mean, not after he found a new family. Your Gas Chamber. Mm-hmm. Hate it. <laughs> Do not, like, unsubscribe to <laughs> everything you've said so you far. What were you about to say about that hate bus, Cody? Uh, I think it's funny, uh... That the hate bus, uh, well, A, hate is in quotes. Yeah. So yes. it's, quote, hate bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says several times, Lincoln Rockwell's hate bus. Yes. Yeah. He wanted to make sure that you knew it's his hate bus, yeah. not all the other hate buses. Not all the other hate buses. This is Lincoln Rockwell's hate bus. It's branding. There's a lot going on in that hate bus. Yeah. Real, real fun time. Should he use GLR? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. In 1965, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party held elections for three representatives. They attempted to seat the three women who won during the roll call for that year's opening session of Congress. It was an act of protest, uh, basically protesting the fact that like there wasn't good black representation in Congress. So we're going to elect our own leaders and we're going to try to sit them in Congress. And, you know, they'll get kicked out, but it'll get... It was, it was a smart idea for a protest. Sure. It, it generated a lot of publicity. Rockwell attempted to suckle some of that publicity for himself by having two of his men, including that guy Lloyd with the gorilla suit, show up to watch the proceedings. Lloyd managed to find an empty room and changed into his incredibly racist costume. There's a picture picture? from a cover of Stormtrooper magazine uh, where this was written about. I gotta give this one to Cody since I gave you the bus, Katie. No, I'm not offended. It's a smaller image, but... (laughs) It's ghastly, right? That is... That is blackface. <laughs> yeah, I when I first read it was what, like an a costume. <laughs> oh my god, the headline though. Yeah. No, no. Uh, <laughs> U.S. Nazi in blackface ridicules Mississippi N words in Congress. Mm-hmm. Is the na- is the title? It's it's the title of the article. It's the title of the article in Stormtrooper magazine. In Stormtrooper magazine. I know, it's and shocking to find racism in Stormtrooper magazine. Yeah, I can't believe this. Let me see, I want to see. It's hogging that thing. My gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. that'll be up on the site, behindthebastards.com, because the slur is pretty small. It's a small image, but it's... Yeah. I mean, it's there. It's it's there. It's something that happened. Um, so, uh, Lloyd sprinted from his changing room directly into the halls of Congress. I'm going to read a quote from For Race and Nation. <clears throat> Lloyd raced out of the room and down the hall to the exclusive stairway that only members of Congress use. He bolted up the stairs to the lobby level, past two slouching policemen. As he neared the chamber entrance, a black doorkeeper spotted him and moved to block his path. But Lloyd, running at top speed, slammed a shoulder into the man, went through the door, and jumped into the well of the house. Donning his stovepipe hat, he yelled, 
I'm not going to use, he, he yelled this in like a racist diction trying to like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the Mississippi delegation. I demand to be seated. Uh, members of the house were stunned by the intrusion. Total silence filled the room as Lloyd jumped and danced, making unintelligible monkey noises. Sounds legitimately crazy. Yeah, it sounds legitimate. This I mean, wild. he was a mentally ill man. Yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd was a mentally ill man right. that Rockwell used to do stunts. Yeah. 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 But still, that's like... Yeah. A thing that happened. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> I'm not getting into it in this because there's just so much to cover, but the book for Race and Nation does a good job of talking about the kind of people who became Rockwell Stormtroopers, mm-hmm. and they were all pretty broken individuals. Right, right, right. Uh, not all of whom would stay Nazis their whole lives. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the event was considered such a propaganda coup that a picture of Lloyd made, yeah, the next month's cover of Stormtrooper mm-hmm. magazine, which sure. we just looked at. Mm-hmm. Stunts like these succeeded in drawing up some publicity and some donations, but the American public's short attention span ensured their interest inevitably faded with time. Rockwell continuously searched for a way to get people emotionally worked up. The next year, 1966, was a time of great unrest in the United States. There were numerous riots across the East Coast. Near the end of that year, in Chicago, the housing authority made the decision to try and relieve some of the overcrowding in their ghetto by expanding public housing to some of the less populated parts of the city. However, the less populated parts of the city were white. These people were infuriated at the idea of maybe living close to black people. Martin Luther King Jr. showed up to try and help the mm. people make the world a better place, do the mm. things that Martin Luther King Jr. did. Yeah, the cl- those classic MLK classic things. Yeah. MLK yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, and so Rockwell showed up as well to try and stoke the fires of sure. racial resentment for power and profit. He gave a speech at Marquette Park where he said, quote, You're working every day to pay taxes to breed little black bastards. You're subsidizing Negro mothers who produce this little black scum for pay, and then when they don't have any place to live, they want to come and take your house and neighborhood. Yep. Yep. Notice... He did not say the N-word there. He He's did not learning. use a racial slur there. Good for him. Hey, this is good for him. <laughs> good for him. This is part of a tactic that works incredibly well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this all came in the middle of a schism within the American nation, uh, Nazi party. Rockwell had come up with a brilliant slogan, something he thought would really take off among the American public. You want to guess what his two-word slogan was that he invented? America Be first. best. White power. Oh. What? Yeah, he invented white power. That's upsetting. Real innovator. I wow. really had no yeah. idea. That's impressive. <laughs> He's done so many. He did things. so many of these wow. things. He's the guy. He's formative. That's, um. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like invented neo-Nazism. Yeah. Holocaust denial. Trolling colleges for free speech mm-hmm. purposes to raise donations and white power. That's so. And we're not done. Such a big legacy. Are you going to add to the list? <laughs> yes. Did he start saying, like, it's okay to be white and, and, like, painting that on, like, college campuses, too? Not quite. Not quite. Ooh, but not quite. Kind of but there. you can kind see of, how this yeah. is the seed. Yeah. Man. Did he sell brain pills? <laughs> <laughs> he, he would have been selling Brain Force Plus if he could have. absolutely would have sold would've. sawdust <laughs> in capsules. <laughs> Lead and lysine. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, get that soy intake. <laughs> oh god! Speaking of brain pills, mm-hmm. although that's actually one of my hard lines for advertising is I won't sell brain. No pills. brain Good pills. For you. Mm-hmm. I'll sell a lot of other kinds of pills. Oh yeah, because I love pills. Sure, but not brain pills. I understand. It's ads time. Oh, yes. Products, services, one pump, one cream. <laughs> one cream. <laughs> The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. When we last left off, Rockwell had uh, invented a slogan uh, called White Power, uh, and he was flirting with what uh, what the author of Federation Nation calls denazification of the American Nazi Party. Which Did is you not say the Nazification or denazification? Yeah, you got to tone it down. So there were two – yeah, Rockwell's side was basically like, we need to be a little bit less explicit about the Nazi stuff because that's not getting votes, and we need mm-hmm. to focus more on white identity mm-hmm. and getting white people behind us. Also something we see today. White identity politics. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. But wait, I thought that – but I th- okay. But according to Jordan B. Peterson, a doctor, mm-hmm. um, a doctor, uh, the right didn't start playing identity politics until very recently in response to the left. Yeah. Well, I got my, my first question with that is: was, was nineteen sixty six recently? No, 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 really, not yeah, according that's, to. It was a while. It was a while ago. Dr. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. It, yeah. Um, I'm, so that's interesting. I'm confused. Then is hmm. it possible he's disingenuous and playing from the same mm. handbook as the Fuhrer of the American Nazi Party? No. 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 <laughs> not Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. No, no, no. He no, no. I, mean, I suppose it's possible, but it's not probable. It's not probable. It's not probable. Not probable. Speaking of not probable, Ooh. <laughs> George Lincoln Rockwell's incredible success in Chicago. Hmm. So, he had t-shirts and placards printed up with the phrase, white power, on them. Uh, he worked the phrase into his speeches in Chicago, marking the first time the white power slogan was ever used. That's crazy. One of his stormtroopers, John Patler, also coined the phrase, the color of your skin is your uniform, which if you spend a lot of time listening to Nazis talk about their apocalyptic race war fantasies, mm. that line comes up all of the goddamn time, too. Mm. These Great. are the OGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the... Yeah. Goat. The goat. Yeah, he's he is the goat of American racism. <sighs> I, he's definitely earned that. He's title. earned that. You yeah. know, we're not being sassy. The woat. The woat. The woat. I mean, just, just a bad, just bad like guy. I mean, we could do. We could do goat and keep it, but like gross of all time, grossest mm. of all time, the grossest of all time. Mm. There we go. There we go. I don't know. I could probably do better, but I'm on the spot gross here. old asshole. Yeah. 
Truth. Old ass time. A good, old <laughs> ass talker. Right, <laughs> gross old ass talker. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll yeah, figure it out. It's there. It's there. Chicago marked the first and only time Rockwell and his Nazis saw mainstream penetration for their rhetoric. Stoking the fires of white fear and resentment of black people worked way better than anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. On August 6th, 1966, Martin Luther King Jr. led a group of marchers through Gage Park. He was met by an enormous crowd of counter-protesters, organized and radicalized by George Lincoln Rockwell. They numbered more than 2,500. The crowd carried placards and banners emblazoned with Rockwell quotes like, Join the White Rebellion, and We Worked Hard for What We Got. Oh, there, yeah, that's, that's, Thousands of furious voices shouted white power at King and his comrades. They threw things. They assaulted them. It was a violent attack on mm. Dr. Martin Luther King and his marchers. One of King's comrades at the time, a guy named Andrew Young, later recalled, quote, the violence in the South always came from a rabble element, but these were women and children and husbands and wives coming out of their homes and becoming a mob, and in some ways, it was far more frightening. Yeah. Dr. King himself was shocked at the ferocity of the violence he and his marchers faced in Chicago, saying, quote, I've never seen anything like it. I've been in many demonstrations all across the South, and I have never seen, even in Mississippi and Alabama, mobs as hostile and hate-filled. It was a huge victory for Rockwell. Mm. White power took off as a concept and as a slogan and still remains popular among shitty racists today. Rockwell did not succeed in converting the whites of Chicago into Nazis, but he made powerful inroads into radicalizing them. The Chicago open housing protest would prove to be the high water mark of George Lincoln Rockwell's career. Almost exactly one year later, on August 25th, 1967, George Lincoln Rockwell rolled down to a laundromat in Arlington, Virginia to do a load of laundry. He forgot his bleach, and as he headed out to his car to go get it, two shots were fired into the window of his 1968 Chevy. He fell out and landed face up in the parking lot, dead from a gunshot wound to the heart at age 49. The killer was not an anti-Nazi activist or an aggrieved Jewish veteran or anyone like that. It was John Patler former U.S. Marine and one of Rockwell's longest-serving stormtroopers. The gun used, appropriately enough, was a German Mauser pistol. Wow. Nazi gun to kill the Nazi. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Nazi gun to kill the Nazi. Mm -hmm. Patler and Rockwell had a somewhat contentious history. Patler quit and rejoined the party a few times and was distrusted by many of the movement because he was a Greek and thus not white enough, mm. including to, according yeah. to some of the Nazis. Your percentage uh, he, is off, bro. Mm -hmm. Sorry. He was also considered mm. a suspected Marxist for reasons that are unclear to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're always suspected yeah. Marxists. Oh, my God. So that was the best they got. Mm -hmm. Rockwell had also recently pushed him out of the ANP, mm -hmm. uh, and so it was, yeah. Uh, Patler was convicted of murder in the first degree. Uh, Rockwell's funeral was as controversial as his life had been. Mm. As a veteran, he was entitled to a military funeral at a <sighs> state cemetery. Uh -huh. But the military would not allow his followers to wear Nazi uniforms or fly Nazi flags at a cemetery filled with American war dead, many of whom had died fighting the Nazis. Smart move. Smart move. Seems, seems decent. S solid call. Seems like a decent <laughs> thing to do. Like I feel like once you become a Nazi, you've just invalidated your time fighting Nazis. Mm -hmm. So could have not. Could it could have not could have could have not done that. I could have done without it. <laughs> but at least there were no Nazi flags flying. Well, that's the wow. Nazis. Oh, oh no, <laughs> the Nazis tried. The they 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 the Nazis with Rockwell's body tried to show up and force their way in. Sure, in they Nazi did. Nazi regalia, which led to a six-hour standoff with main... Rockwell's hearse and military police. Eventually, the Nazis backed down and cremated Rockwell instead. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's <laughs> a not entirely heartbreaking coda to this. Uh, although, I guess, you know, Nazi getting shot's not that bad either. Mm. Uh, Patler got out of prison. Uh, he was only in there for 20-some-odd years, like 22 years. Uh, and his story is the closest thing to uplifting you're going to get out of this whole mess. His son actually wrote the afterword for the book For Race and Nation. It is a heartbreaking and compassionate essay, well worth reading. In it, he talks about his father's, like, abusive childhood, the... the things that a lot of the kids who became Nazis had right, endured, right. the things Rockwell right. had endured as a child, and like how these broken people came to such a hateful, it's a very in, uh, insightful and compassionate look by someone who you know, grew up with a dad who had done all this right. stuff. Right. Um, and in the essay, uh, Patler's son relates this story about his father from after he got out of prison. Quote, one night in Richmond, Virginia, after leaving a restaurant, my father stood silently by my car with his eyes frozen on the ground. In a somber tone, he said, I should have been with them. With who, I asked. I should have been with Dr. King and the civil rights people back then, he answered. They were truly my people, not those Nazis. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. That gave me chills. Yeah. 
For his part, George Lincoln Rockwell did not leave much behind. His estate was just $257 in cash, a corncob pipe, and a bunch of racist pamphlets. But Rockwell's real legacy would prove to be much more extensive and much deadlier than any fortune could ever have been. And that's what we will be talking about in part three of this podcast, the 60-year-long spree of murders, bombings, and hatred that all sprung, sprung spawned from the mental <laughs> loins of George Lincoln Rockwell. You could say... For him, it was one pump, <laughs> one cream, a whole lot of cream, one pump, lots of cream. The cream does not stop coming from that mainstream penetration. Full circle, <laughs> oh penetration. Oh yeah, God, that word just makes me so happy. Mm. Uh, so I mean, what do you guys think about George Lincoln Rockwell? Piece of shit. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Um, it is astounding to hear yeah. it all laid out like this and yeah. see how directly he ha- is responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For everything. Every single th- time I come on this show, you're just like, by the way, here's history, but now. <laughs> His ghost is thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you and think, so many things. So yeah. many of them. It, yeah. What do you think he would be? He wouldn't be. A, would he be a Republican? <laughs> would he be a liberal? Because liberals are the party of anti Semitism. Republicans, right? You think be he like would the be anti? Um, like, well, he would not I, I be a go- for pro-Israel. I I think he, yeah, I I really have trouble telling with Rockwell. He'd be an, an intellectual dark Weber. I think that I think he would not be. I think he would be kind of like Peterson, not explicitly mm-hmm. political, right. in that he wouldn't advocate for a party directly. Yeah. I think he would be more about trying to get an ideology across. Because right. Yeah. That, right. that there were that works better now. Um, yeah, he'd be, he'd be playing to the resentments yeah. and the grievances and stuff and mm-hmm. sort of lifting up all the like, – like the logical next step of like the white power stuff. He'd be talking about like white identity. He'd, just yeah. be, he'd be a white identity yeah. uh, person, like a, like a Molyneux, but more explicit Nazi stuff maybe. I don't know because I think he, uh, he really wanted – he really wanted mainstream appeal. And his, his goal yeah. from the beginning, if you remember from the episode one, was to unite conservatives. Right. So yeah. I, th- I think he would be explicitly political. I think he would be less explicitly racist. I don't even know if he came out around today if he would be explicitly anti-Semitic. Right, he'd play Because it. that doesn't play he'd be it. He'd, like play it better, some, yeah. he'd yeah. have some Tea Party faction yeah. within the party. He'd maybe go into politics. And... I think there's a good chance he'd have been elected. Yeah, yeah I do yeah, too. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, we've got he Steve a, King. He was we a got... good speaker. He was charismatic. Yeah. Good speaker, handsome guy. Handsome guy. Uh, smart. Very smart. Good at branding. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he'd play, he'd play to that and he wouldn't be, yeah, as explicitly like. Yeah. I I have a lot of questions about what Rockwell would be if he were alive today. But one thing I know for sure is that he would have worked with Roger Stone. Yeah. Oh (laughs) yeah. Unquestionably. They would, they would have been thick as thieves. Yeah, they would, they they would, they would have plans. (laughs) They would have so many plans. What year did he die again? Uh, I think it was 67, right? Okay. Or yeah, 67. You think think he would have, um, uh, played up stuff with like Milo or because Milo is technically he's technically he's Jewish right yeah I, I think and he's I, gay, I don't know so like Rockwell like despise him probably I, I think he probably I think the thing that would have amazed him uh-huh. that would have made him despise Milo would, was Milo's Milo's attitude never had a chance of gaining mainstream acceptance because right. yeah. he's just too off-putting, and he doesn't care. He like he's very non-committal to everything. And he's yeah, like kind of a ca- I, he's a chaos agent or whatever. Milo doesn't believe in shit. Exactly. Yeah. Rockwell yeah. believed he wouldn't have gone through the shit that he did because he suffered for his right. Beliefs. Right. Like, he, he figured out the uh, his pain. He, yeah, his pain drove him to yeah to, to be more of a Nazi. So I I think he's uh and I don't think I think he would have been smarter than a guy like Richard Spencer because mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't think Richard Spencer was very cunning. No, he didn't uh, play it well. He, I mean, he got the platform. He got that article about yeah. him. He was, he was dapper, but he, yeah. didn't, he didn't play it well after he that. He didn't play it well after um, that. But yeah, Milo doesn't believe in anything. Milo um, does not believe in anything except for having money. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Rockwell would have been... I think he might have used him at some point. That's sort of what I mean. Yeah. I, I like, think, not like in, in aligned with him, but just sort of like using the movement and the, the drive for I it. think Rockwell would have really gotten along with a guy like Steve Bannon who is a yes. clever political yes. operator who believes the shit out of things. Yes. Um, and to be honest, that's a more likely pairing than him and Roger Stone, because Roger doesn't believe in shit either. Right, uh, right. Probably would have liked Donald Trump. I, yeah, he probably would have. He probably mm-hmm. would have. Or he'd be president. <laughs> or, or, or he'd just have won in 2016. Right, he just, just would have been the president. Yeah. He just would have been the president fair, now. It's a fair assessment, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Dodge well, I mean, the bullet. Because they're playing the same, playing the same game. No, he oh, did not. He didn't dodge two of them because he got shot to death. It's all that white, the resentment. Uh, grievance stuff mm-hmm. and uh, Rockwell seems seems to know how to do it and yeah. to do it on purpose whereas like Trump sort of like fell into it because he just happens to be like a racist guy and you could guy see in the like... last year of his life is when he really figured out landed on like oh 
yeah, exactly. White res- that's mm-hmm. that's the my thing. Um, through line. That's the thing that everybody, yeah, yeah that he can. You know, Steve Saylor. No, he's a he's like a kind of like white nationalist kind of figure. He he writes on V Dare a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's written some stuff. Um, the it's referred to as the Saylor strategy is an article he came out with like 2005 or something like that and it literally lays out like here's what Republicans need to do they need to uh, play to white identity politics they need to get these votes he basically lays out like and be anti-immigration he lays out everything in uh, Donald Trump's platform basically and his whole ideology great um, and it's just like yeah here's what, here's what you gotta do um, uh, and just to bring it back real quick uh, at one point uh, Jordan B. Peterson, who hates identity politics, uh, shared an article by Steve Saylor, uh, <laughs> who uh, analyzed a study about diversity that cut out half of the article uh, and study that actually said diversity is good in the long run. Well, but that sounds like Jordan Peterson's uh, intellectually dishonest, and that can't be the case. It can't be the case. There's, be the there's case. another possible, explanation. It's possible, but it's not probable. It's not probable. If it's not probable... Mm-hmm. <laughs> then what are we even doing? Mm-hmm. I wonder. Quick, I wonder, another cum joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more cum jokes. Right. Uh, it's time for plugs uh, mm. of of the pluggables. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plug. Now, as uh, as I mentioned in part one, this was originally supposed to be part of a five part uh, audiobook about where all this fucking right-wing terrorism comes from, because it's a weird history. And, like, mm-hmm. we didn't even get into Christian identity, which Rockwell right. ties into, which is also tied into Robert Bowers, the Tree of Life synagogue shooter, and a bunch mm-hmm. of other... All of this stuff, if you want it all laid out, is going to be on my audiobook, The War on Everyone, which I am backing right now on GoFundMe. So go to GoFundMe, search for The War on Everyone, drop a, a couple of bucks if you've got them. Uh, I will put out the audiobook, and I will use the money to report on... Fascism in the United <laughs> States and possibly conflict abroad, yeah. uh, depending on, on how much we get. It, it's doing great so far. I also want to thank everyone who's donated so far prior to this episode landing. Uh, it's It's been way better than I expected, and I'm Already blown done. away and, and, and driven to tears by the, uh, uh, the generosity of my fans. So thank you all so much. Uh, I promise to never sell brain pills. Mm. Um, <laughs> It's a good promise to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will sell other pills because I love pills. Yeah, love pills. just not the yeah. ones that great are, pills. Uh, just not Brain Force Plus. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even Brain Force like Ultra. Oh. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> no, well, like well, original. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Brain Force Ultra. Um, you can check us out online yes. as well at our it's Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/somewhere-news. That's the YouTube show that we it's do. YouTube show. That and we then do. we also have um, a weekly podcast where we talk about. A lot of bad guys. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of current bad guys. Uh, and news, you know. Yeah. The news of the day, the news of the week, uh, news of the year. Um, the news of our horrifying yeah. nightmare world. Um, so, yeah, Google Google some more news and even more news. It's all around the place. It's yeah. on Twitter. Um, I'm Dr. Mr. Cody on Twitter.com as well. I'm Katie, Katie Stoll. Mm-hmm. Donate to some more news. Patreon. We're on the edge of something great here. We are. We are. We're we're almost through the looking glass. We're straddling the looking glass. Getting close. I'm. I write okay on Twitter. And again, my uh, my GoFundMe is uh, uh, the war on everyone. So check that out. Uh, Check out some more news. Patreon. Uh, Go to the fucking t-shirts. Putty public. God, so many plugs. I'm so exhausted. Behind the Bastards, see public. We have a website, behindthebastards.com. You can find us on at Bastards Pod, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. I love about 40% of you uh, and 100% of the people who don't. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.